Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach at sumatisparks.com. And today I'm super excited to have as my guest, Muse Magdalene. She's been a writer on sensuality and sexuality for 15 years. She's an erotic life coach, a public speaker, and a somatic healer. She is very passionate about boundary, conscious seduction, and changing the current paradigms around gender roles and relationships. It's her mission to empower men and women and everyone in between to live an erotically fulfilling life through her somatic coaching practice. Welcome to the show, Muse. Thank you. I really appreciate being here. I uh, adore your show. I've been listening to it and really laughing in all the juiciness that you provide. So I'm really excited, actually. Thanks. Awesome. That's great. Okay. Well, why don't we dig right in then, since you, you're used to the topic on the show, and tell us about uh, what you value most about open relationships and why. Yeah, this, this is a question I love because there's so many layers and depths, as, as you know, and anybody listening to your show is kind of being confronted with being um, asked to evaluate in themselves is the thing that really brought me to it was the evolution of my own sensuality and sexual nature within relationship as a woman for me realizing and a lot of what I've done has been scientific up until the last um, five or six years it's gone more somatic into the body and so scientifically understanding that like a breakup for women and this is all with a grain of salt, of course. But our chemical response is actually that akin to death. And that evolution, our evolutionary response is to kind of hook into or connect into or bond to men or whomever as our security and our salvation. And that's just been bred into us over the many, 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 many years, thousands of years now that we've been sold for our wombs and treated like property and just been, you know, curated into that. It's like it's just been a shaping of our evolution. And part of what I love about open relating, I I tell people, like, you know, either be a sex worker or go in an open relationship for two years. Like, you know, Israel does their two years in the Army. I feel like women should do two years in in open relating or sex. Just because, like... um, it, it really helps me break up with that whole evolutionary response or at least like integrate it. And when it presents itself, I can be with it instead of run by it. And so for me, that's what I really deeply value about open relating as an experience and an opportunity for people to rewire and reevaluate and reconnect to intimate partnership in a way that's actually just from them and then all that evolutionary shaping can be tools, it can be allies, it can be signals. They're all in there. They're not going to go away, right? And that's what I do in my practice is we do lots of, like, somatic into-your-body integration. So these programs get rewired, reshaped, and are valuable in a new way. And open relationships definitely did that for me. And for other women I know, it's like they're not, they're not always so easy. But with the right partner, the right partnership, you can really – see these parts of you that are kind of foreign and just underlying and they become to the forefront and you can work them into a place in yourself and in your relationships that are actually designed for success and that's huge and I don't really hear a lot of people talking about that particular piece 
Um, so that was something I definitely let me make sure I, on this show. Yeah, let me make sure. Let me make sure I understand because um, I think this is really unique and I love it. Um, so you're saying that you recommend that that women try open relationships, even if they may not feel like they're oriented that way or may not want to do it long term, but that it's a good exercise to break out of the paradigm that we're all programmed in where we're looking for men to be our savior or salvation. Did I get that right? Yeah, I think that's a great um, surmise what I was saying. Totally. I would also add that there's a component in there of we want to be these feminist, independent, completely capable creatures. And this kind of complies with all that. It very much is just a uh, sophistication that we can take on. And there could be other ways to do it. My route was open relationships, polyamory. I call it just being sexual, sensual, and, you know, and relating. But I had to maneuver through these fields, and I had such incredible partners along the way. Um, but I went in with intention, and I think that's the significant component I'm offering is, like, why are you doing this on more levels than just, curiosity or I'm designed for it it's like ooh, now there's this other one that says I want to be more the the independent creature that I'm told to be now and I'm given opportunity Mm -hmm. this is a great opportunity Mm -hmm. and I think you're saying that it's been wired into us or programmed into women for thousands of years to look toward men to make us whole to protect us to make us financially secure, et cetera, et cetera. And so if it's that deeply programmed into us, then do you, so do you use your somatic healing um, practices to communicate with the cellular level of women's bodies that just, it's hard to just think your way out of that. It's, it's more in our body, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's in it's in our bodies as a chemical response from the development of our brains, right? It's like we were denied access to having money and property, and that's so new. And I have to remind people in my workshops, especially my women's workshops and teachings, is that I am first-generation, fully liberated American woman in 6,000 years. My mother was told that she had to wear a skirt until she got to college. So in my Mm -hmm. family... From my lineage of the matriarch and my family, like I am first gen. And just to break that, like just to remind us, it's so imperative to, to invoke the desire to look backward a bit and to really but take you're that so, on and say, you're so right. That's really powerful because I'm in my 50s and I had to wear dresses in elementary school. It wasn't until middle school or junior high that we got to wear pants. So you're so right about that. I never realized that. <laughs> Wow, Ooh, I have chills, right? We just got to present that totally. together. Thank you for uh-huh, mentioning that because uh-huh. that's only 50 years. So how yeah. incredible and how much more patient and how can we sophisticate feminism in a sexual, chemical, bodily response? And so my somatic healing our practice and coaching is really body to body. One of the phrases I'm coming up with now is called body tech. And bodies speak to one another pheromones and body language, 80% of our communication is nonverbal. And our brains and our systems, all of them are really wired to go there first. And for whatever reason, I was born very, very attuned and akin and capable to go into the body, both verbally 
like all kinds of ways. There's too many to list, but I use my verbal capability. But when I watch and listen, I can listen on multiple layers. It's wording. It's how you put words together. Tone. It's, it's just so much is going on from the body to express. Also, I'm very attuned to sense. So I pick up on emotions. Like all of us, we're like, I could feel someone being angry before they got into the room. And when actuality, mm-hmm. if you study this, it's, you're smelling them. They're releasing the pheromone of whatever they're feeling. So we're actually smelling what's going on. And then the body releases mm-hmm. chemicals so that you feel it and recognize it. So we utilize, mm-hmm. I can feel and sense in someone what's happening. And then my job isn't to be accurate with them. My job is to read and sense from this side of the, the story and invite them to recognize what's going on for them and tell me. And then we can work that into exercises or cuddling or, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's been really an, <laughs> interesting and creative and the things that show up are totally unique and tailored to each individual which is so exciting and trippy so it's like i've really been available for the technology that is our bodies and that's my work i just based my work off my life i definitely want to get into your work more and the technology stuff is really interesting to me but um before we do that i want to dig a little bit deeper into muse how did you (laughs) do this kind of work and did you have a background in open relationships or how how do you relate to that in your personal life in the past and now yeah so I've just built my career off of my nature and that's part of what I want to activate in people is follow your nature follow your design so everything I have all these kinds of artful forms to get people into that place more deeply. And so I've just really, my parents allowed for me to find my way my whole life. There were two rules. I could not call from jail, could not call them pregnant. And they would give me, and they would always give me sexual information to the best of their knowledge, but they left me to finding my own way. Otherwise, another, they didn't guide me and help me but I've been self-engineering my whole life and I could only really fall back on my body. And they did it for different reasons, but they were very good to me in that. So for me with that, I've just navigated naturally as an animal in this human form, right? This is such a great body. It's so sophisticated. And so with that, I stumbled upon sexological body work, which naturally led me to somatica, which basically I walked into one of the most, I mean, like my partners, my serious partners have to take somatica. Because they have tapped into my nature, which is basically what I was telling you, but slowing down and getting into presence and valuing connection above all else, you know? Right. And so the somatica method like practice, I cannot celebrate enough like that totally polished me and gave me so much mm-hmm. permission. It was like, all of a sudden I stepped into a program that said all that you are and always have been is real and not only real, but so valuable to anyone that comes across mm. it. So it just, it just polished me right up. And so it's just been on ever since it's just been on, mm. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm out of here. I'm doing, I'm doing the work that I was designed to do. And so beautiful. in that time I was in a beautiful, like open relationship, um, uh, um, at 25, I came to the Bay Area, and the night that I was coming here, I actually had visions for the first time, because up until this point, I had been serial monogamous, even with lovers. There was something about me feeling prideful 
about purity, which really didn't have much to do with society. It just felt right. And that's probably because mm-hmm. I just didn't, I could feel and sense in some way that they couldn't hold what I needed in order to go through and move through opening relationships. And then I met that night when I was having these visions of for the first time driving up to the Bay from San Luis Obispo of multiple lovers at once and how right that felt and how natural that felt to me. And I want to distinguish lovers from my deeper partnership because for me, those, those are different things that can blend and then they can be their own things as well. We'll get mm-hmm. into that next. But that night I, I met my first polyamorous lover and we were together for almost three years and Philip Lewis, which I know you know him. And he's very, he's an advocate for open relating him and his wife, Padmet. And mm-hmm. to be brought into the folds of this, this, they're still married. They're still just one of the most inspiring parents and couples I know. And to be brought to be invited into someone else's relationship just felt like such an honor. And it felt safer for me than to do this work on my own out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. So when I met him, it was just like, ding, 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 jackpot, you know, <laughs> Not to mention he's gorgeous mm-hmm. and so um, utterly sophisticated and intelligent. It's like, all right, you know, thank you, universe. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they really allowed me to work into the folds of their relating, what she needed from me, why I was there, was on point, on purpose, and very deliberate. Having those visions and the comfort in my body had to be a reality for me. And so anytime I met with him, I was invited to communicate with her what had happened for me, how I developed more, what was significant for me. And that was mm. so beautiful. That kept me into my own desire to be intentional with them. And they gave me room to love him and them and to prioritize their relationship and ours, which is actually very easy for me. And so it was just a Okay, wait, and, I got to stop, stop you right there because there's another really okay. awesome thing you just said that I want to try to nail down. Um, Okay. So after you had after you had a date or you spent some time with the man you were seeing, you said you were invited to communicate with his wife. Now, was was that when you say invited in, was that they both wanted you to do that or like how did that come about? Cuz I love that. I think that that can really create mm-hmm. um so much more connection <laughs> among all the people involved. Can you tell me a little bit more about that piece? Absolutely. It's, it's actually set the standard for me. If I cannot, like, at least meet the wife, I, like, I just, it's a no-go, period, in the story. If I'm not really, like, if they're doing it, and everybody gets a preference. There's no shaming or blaming here. But for me, I have to be allowed in fully. I don't need to be dating her as well. But that just set the standard of my comfort, and not only my comfort, my edge. And my edge was I'm so deliberate on my own to be invited to gift that to this amazing couple was so where I wanted to be, but I'd never had the invitation and he would just let me know what was happening for her. We hadn't been dialoguing yet. And I think there was a respect needed and when I'm, I'm Texan, so a wife there and a mother, they're like the top ranking, right? We're all in a hierarchy in a circle and we're all valuable in our own ways. I want to admit to that. But where I'm from, it's my nature to honor the wife, period. Mm-hmm. And so that might be missing for other people's cultural background. So I want to specify that. But she went through him and he just told me her discomforts and they were working it out. I was one of their first um, people to 
be invited into their relationship. And so I got to initiate contact. If I remember this correctly, I'm going to have to go back over some stuff and make sure that's accurate. But the way I'm remembering now is like I was invited by him to go towards her and just say, hey, hi. And I already met her on my own when I realized he was married because mm-hmm. that wasn't – it takes time to, you know, work into the desire to be in a relationship. And mm-hmm. so I took that on for myself. I wanted to meet her in person and a story. And so after that meeting, he then was saying that they're working through their own stuff. Would I be interested in just letting her know after every time we were together in whatever ways that showed up that I would just connect with her? And the way I wanted to connect with her was like, thank you. Like, please and thank you. This man is and just telling her how much he was shifting me in these ways is why I can speak so clearly about what was happening because by her Mm -hmm. like working out her stuff with her husband and him inviting me even deeper into their relationship, I not only got to help out with her nervous system responses because right, we're talking back about the evolutionary response. So opening Mm -hmm. relationship kind of has the same responses, like not wanting to or breaking up with someone. It's it's a big, big deal in our Mm -hmm. bodies and our nervous systems. And so Mm -hmm. she, it was like, it was so beautiful to just tend to my sister, to this wife of a man that was changing me and shaping me in ways mm. that were, that run me and run in my business. And like, just how can I not? And that simple invitation connected us and it didn't make us bonding. It didn't make us friends. We were, we became friends much later, but it gave this sense of respect. And so she could be tended to knowing I wasn't navigating this from a place that was interested in taking him. I mean, I never got her story, but these are things that are typical that I hear. The fears of loss, right? I wasn't there to activate that. I was there to be appreciative. I recognized, mm-hmm. like anyone can recognize, the big deal it is to say, I love you so much. You can have what you need. But honestly, that might put fear of loss into my system. And so that's just like, the be- that was these knees. And that's the only way I operate now. It's like I'm here mm-hmm. to tend to your relationship and help out. I'm a helper bee. Mm-hmm. This is going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I've gotten to be a part of the most incredible relationships and watch them bloom and, like, feed that part of them that needs to have another person. And I cannot, I cannot speak more highly of that particular invitation. Beautiful. Thank you so much for elaborating on that. I love it. Um, so tell me some of your other favorite moments in your experiences with open relating. Well, I've had like, there was another couple that was very, very, very significant and they dated me together and they were just like, one thing that I want to speak to is what it provides me to be a part of a couple that way or has is that they were aware of my wanting to tend to them, relate their relationship, but they were inspiring me in my own. Because at the time I had a partner, a long distance partner, who they helped me hold him in my openness with them. And then I mm-hmm. got to bring back from relating with them what I wanted from he and I, and they showed me the relationship I wanted to have. And I don't hear mm. people talking about that inspiration, like choose the couple you want to have on your own. It was like mm-hmm. I got to be juiced by them and juice them, and I was like, yes, I exactly, you know, I was learning what I wanted firsthand by the way they were treating me and each other. Mm-hmm. So it's such a, it's a huge opportunity to be shaped in a way that you can go into your relationships on your own, like away from wherever you're at with these other couples, 
and shape them into like it's so inspiring, right? It's like, oh my God, they have what I want. I don't need what they have, but that's them. I'm going to juice them. I'm yeah. going to find my own. And it makes me think about when you said earlier about um, that you recommend that women practice open relationship for a couple years to break out of the dominant paradigm. I'm hearing in this that there might also be a recommendation for women that may have been choosing partners that aren't suitable for them or are not healthy. You know, they keep getting into dysfunctional relationships that maybe if they went and looked for a functioning couple who are polyamorous to date, that you could then see what a healthy relationship looks like. Absolutely. So that's, it's it like, could actually oh be a, like, an assignment for people that need to need to experience something in the middle of a healthy relationship. <laughs> yeah, I have no greater desire than to be inspired and aspire to something greater than myself. And this is such a and it, and I get off on tending to it. It's like, oh shit, yeah, I want the top couple that I want for myself, and then I get to be the one to stoke and fan their flames. Get the fuck out of here. This is the best gig. (laughs) How can I be so pristine? Because I get to, like, bear witness to something. It's like this lost artistry. Why I'm a sex educator, why I take so much of my my career and my time and my energy to say, hey, everybody, if we just get closer and, and, you know, just work this out, like, there is no end to education between us. I have been deeply educated by the most incredible couples and I got to add to their flourishing. So they got to develop even more deeply in front of me because of me. And so it was just like, that's the thing that really I value about open relating when you get to that point beyond the sex and beyond the dating, beyond the hormones and whatever, and the attraction, it was a gold mine if you navigate it that way. It's like, what am I aspired in to receive in my own way? I will not take from another. It's just not interesting for me. But I will definitely create in my own life. I love that too. So that's been a big vein of mine. And I'm very, very, very picky with the couples that I get uh, invited into or invite myself into. It's like, if you're not aspiring to something greater than myself together, then I don't really want to contribute all I have because it's so precious and pristine and intentional. It's got to be an asset to the relationship itself for all of us. Mm. So there's a lot of self-value and self-worth that has to be worked as well. So finding the right couple helps you with that. I would not be able to speak this way if I had not been choosing so correctly. Right. Mm. Lovely. Thank you so much for that. So I'm feeling really ecstatic about the possibilities of open relationships and all the different ways that people do them. And now I'm going to bring us down just for a moment and maybe you could share with us what some of the pitfalls are that you see of of this lifestyle, this alternative relating? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't really experienced a lot of them firsthand, but I've held people who are experiencing them firsthand. Um, let's start with the typical, like, unicorn experience. Like, I've been a unicorn my whole life. I was really bummed when, like, the usually the, the younger, attractive, like, vibrant woman is brought into a couple's relationship has been dubbed unicorn, like now it's kind of changed the term for me in a way that I haven't seen that done very well. And I know a lot of unicorns and I know a lot of couples working their stuff out. And the only thing I see is missing and a major pitfall is that they're not being honest about their shadow, what people call the shadow. I call it the shit show. We can say whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's like we all have it. 
it's our major uniting force. Like we're all working through it. It's beautiful that way. And if it's not spoken to, presenced, or valued, and it shows up, then there's affliction, hurt, and pain, and the bonding, deepening, and a greater foundation being built. You know, Mm -hmm. rupture and repair. Like, fuck up and clean up, because it's going to happen. But if there's not an allowance for it, then there's going to be massive story time. There's going to be drama instead of going towards each other. There's going to be... There's going to be maybe even trauma instead of just discomfort and hurt. There's, there, I've helped so many different people in feeling used and feeling unappreciated and undervalued and underworthy by a couple because they're just out wanting to hunt. And that falls on the unicorn as well. I've been approached by couples who just want to play things for the night, and it's not my particular style. But I have referred them to amazing unicorns that it is because they're not interested in a deeper mm-hmm in a deeper situation so it's getting that clarity in yourself beyond sex beyond the like prance and dance of it beyond the like we need to like have something else that's a major pitfall is lack of intentionality and Mm -hmm. also communication of clarity I'll be your fuck toy if you want but I'm going to want to need to know that's really what's happening and so I'm seeing tons Mm -hmm. of couples going out when they're like opening right and they're working it out, bless their heart. So when they meet me, I help them through it. But I also do some other healing. So for others who aren't, it's like there's this, just this one little key of clarity and being okay with where you're at, saying we're new to this. We don't know what we're doing yet. We may fuck up. We're probably going to. Are you invested in us helping, like helping us? There's a power dynamic. That's, the unicorn is in this powerful position to affect a relationship right and the relationship is in a powerful position of choosing someone to come into that and there's kind Mm -hmm. of this perversion going on and this lack of intentionality or clarity or even just admitting they don't have any of that and so I respect anyone who can tell me where they're at because I'm really good at meeting them there and I will tell you where Mm -hmm. I'm at just so we can actually be like real with each other so Mm -hmm. that's one of the major ones I see and another one is Mm -hmm. just um, not having support. Like I have chosen couples who are highly supported and it, and that makes them able to support me because going back to the evolutionary response we're working on, if that's part of your gig is like, shit's going to come up. I need support. This is the deep, this is some deep valuable work that can be done in a sense of community and partnership, which is quite frankly the best kind, you know, that's why we go see therapists or me. It's someone else to help me. We're designed that way as a species to reach out. So right. are you picking people who are well-resourced? Who are your? Because when we're hurting or you're hurting and there's that crunchy time, you're going to need, who can you go? So that's another one. I'm not seeing people set up really wanting, even if it's just sex and a good time. Can you, can you say, I'm not available for this. We were not intended you have somewhere you can go to be cared for. You know, that right. extra sense of... Muse, I need to interrupt you because the the connection is cutting in and out a little bit. I don't know no. if there's a better place you can go where you are. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. I think it's it might just, be my headset. Just a little bit. That. Yeah, it's just a little okay. bit. It's not too bad, but I'd like to make it stop. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I want to ask you a little bit more. So... 
you're talking about the unicorn, and for anyone who might not understand what that term means, it's usually a single female who dates a couple, and it's called a unicorn because so many couples want that when they open their relationship, and there's the demand is higher than the supply, so it's so rare they call <laughs> the woman a unicorn. Um, but anyway, I want to ask you, do you identify with that word because you feel like as a muse you – you love being in that place with a couple and you love how you serve them and how you grow from it? Or did you just kind of happen to find yourself in that temporarily till you find some one person to date? Or I'm asking a stupid question, but I, I think you know what I mean. Like, is that a, a I get it. I get it. Yeah. Made or, yeah. yeah. I am always an advocate for what needs to happen for me now. Like I go, mm-hmm. People think I'm bi and I'm like, I'm sexual. I, I really ideologies and these boxes because, quite frankly, and if I do, it's very momentary. And that's a requirement in relationships now is like, can you flow with what we need and the difficulties that we need? So that's the value of open relating is it shows you yourself. It's like my life, but I would really like a solid partner. And they have to know from the beginning that this may need to happen for for them and if they're willing to go through that. But I'm also understanding that I may find someone that doesn't ever need that, and I don't either. I'm a romantic at heart, so I leave the universe to just give me what I need at any moment. And that makes Mm -hmm. me more available and intentional. Because for me, I'm not seeking, I'm finding. And so that's the way I maneuver through my own life in all ways. It's like, you know, what am I today? What's happening um, and so as a muse and a unicorn in other ways and just um, I think I'm like a real unicorn woman who's available to you know interact with a couple rarer in the fact that I'm here to nourish you I'm available for all of the stuff coming up for them and myself and I'm very well resourced I have my support network and my partners do too and they better have it as well so it's even that rarer sense of the rarity. So I would say that, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I definitely aspire to if the unicorn provides, but do I meet many real ones? No. I meet a lot of people that are treated as that and not really sophisticated in it or in sophisticated ways. Just that is simple, not having these little minor keys, right? So I understand. And, um, yeah, providing any at any time is really crucial to me. Into providing that was a beautiful show. answer. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if if you're just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach at SumatiSparks.com, and we're speaking with Muse Magdalene, and uh, we're talking about her experiences with open relating and how she coaches people around that. Um, so it sounds like you. <sighs> tuned into your true essence at a very young age and have really learned how to follow your intuition. What about women that don't come from that kind of place and they may have had some abuse or trauma in their background? How do they lessen the chances of being taken advantage of if they want to date a couple or do any kind of open relating? Yeah, I love that you asked this question. It's important. Um, 
And I want to acknowledge my own trauma background, and I want to be relentless that I don't come from a superior background of being catered to. I've been treated extraordinarily cruelly most of my life until I moved to the Bay. So, two from these couples, and this is one of that I really got the the extraordinary spaciousness to bloom into who I truly was available outside of trauma, which if there are a couple couples listening, when you take on a single woman, you are so available to step into almost an initiatory role to create that space because a lot of us are uh, an open relationship. There's a lot of trauma. We've seen it in the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be present, and I've been really held in the most ways, and I just want to promote that piece. Okay, and again, we're cutting in and out just a little bit, so I don't know if there's another place in the room maybe you could try moving to. Okay, great. Thank you. And then Uh, please continue. Yeah, so where was that? About other women that may not have known what I knew or the direction I've had. Is that correct? Um, I think it's still cutting out a little bit. Keep talking. I need to hear you talk for a minute before I know. Okay. So give me one second. I'm going to turn off. I think my phone is doing Wi-Fi calling instead of regular calling. Give me just a second. Okay. Okay. I I believe that was the issue. So. Okay, great. All right. So please, uh-huh, no problem. Yeah. Please, please continue. So I was just for clarity on the question because now I got all off track, but I believe you were asking yes, me. Yes, of if... course. No problem. I, I was just asking you to um, tell us how to let, and so thank you for acknowledging your own background, um, and we all need to speak out about our, our experiences of trauma and abuse. Um, and I just want to hear, like, how women who may be coming from a really vulnerable place can lessen their chances of being taken advantage of if they decide to practice open relationship? Yeah, they can do that, right? And I want to acknowledge that that's going to feel like that's happening at some point, and either it is or it isn't. I think that's part of especially with a trauma background, is you're in a pattern, but who hasn't run a heavy pattern, you're shaped by it, you know, sometimes the deeper. And so acknowledging that, number one, like allow for the shit show to come out. Say, hey, I am so ready for what I want in this life, but I have some the time. So one of the greatest attributes to any relationship, no matter what it is, is as a reflection in a mirror. And so mm-hmm. I want to presence that it could be misperception based on the trauma and open to being wrong. Like, do so well that you pick people that you're <laughs> – can hold you in your projections, number one, you know. And number two, allow for you to work your pattern. Be a willing – I'm going to figure out what I don't want probably more than what I do. Like I was, I just – but I had my intention. So that's another piece. Set your – is it about sex? Why? Why? And take each piece. And really get into the to be, do, experience, whatever you're wanting. 
mm-hmm. you know what you want and you're going out achieving that. If you don't actually take the time to honor this process and say, hey, I am so clear about what would serve me in my past, I looked at my patterns and looked at what I want. And I've navigated forgiveness and openness to have it not feel so good, but always be for my betterment. And so if we go in, this Muse, will always I'm, be for I'm my betterment. I have to interrupt you again because my heart is breaking. What? It's still cutting out just often enough that it's, it's really ruining your beautiful words. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe we okay. should have you call, call back in again. What do you think? I think that's a great idea, and I can do that. Okay, great. All right, I'm going to hang up and right. call right back in. Okay, okay. bye. So we were speaking with Muse Magdalene. She's a somatic healer and an intimacy coach. And she was talking about how um, educational it can be to to be polyamorous, to practice open relationship, even if it's just for a time, for a couple reasons. One is that it changes our programming around looking for someone to save us, um, especially the programming of women, uh, looking for a man to be our salvation. It changes that programming where we, we take more control of our relationships and asking for what we want. And the other reason why she thought it would be helpful for people is to, if you have never had an experience of a healthy relationship, to date a couple that has a healthy relationship and check them out and see how they do it. And um, so those are a couple of the gems that I, I learned um, so far, but we still have a, a little bit more time. And um, thank you for calling back again, Muse. Um, let's, let's just move on to another topic now. Um, you have a, a workshop that's very interesting sounding to me, and I wanted to hear more about it. It's called How to Fuck Like a Goddess, G-A-W-D-D-E-S-S, and Be Worshipped Like One Too. So tell me more about that. What does it do for women and for men and for others? Yeah, thank you. And I hope the connection's better now. Um, so so much do better. let me know. You're welcome to interrupt me. Oh, good. Okay. So... How to Fuck Like a Goddess was born from many women my whole life have looked to me in my own sexuality and asked me questions. Um, and this particular workshop was birthed out of one particular question, which was, how do you get a man to worship your pussy? Or your, uh, I think she called it your yoni. And my instant answer is, how do you do that? And a lot of like rerouting back to the self is most of my work. And I started to notice this trend of, you know, even in magazines, women magazines about sex, it's like, be a better lover. You know, the, the languaging is all about the other. There's never like, how do you stroke your pussy and then teach your man? You know, <laughs> there's no like, mm-hmm. they call that empowerment. And so there's a loss of empowerment in the mindset. So basically I'm rewiring women through this particular workshop back to themselves but in a position to be worshipped too, which makes them also an invitation instead of an obligation. Like it's sexual accountability with some technique and some sharing, like all women have wisdom. So coming to this workshop, you get to contribute your wisdom. You get to rely on some technique and tools you can take into the bedroom and into your life. 
But we always start with the mindset, like taking our work off of other people's plates and starting to give it back to them, like safety. Uh, A lot of women are very disappointed because we've been trained that the world and men should keep us safe. And in fact, it's our, like that was a huge thing for me. I had massive sexual trauma. I kept getting date raped and all. I, I mean, like I had years of this going out to bars to dance and getting day raped a lot. And I was just like, I am the common denominator here, and it doesn't matter if I, like, what is happening for me? And witnessing that pattern. And so luckily I found ecstatic dance, and then I also evaluated that. I was like, holy shit, there's a part of me that's asking them to keep me safe and trusting them without knowing them. Where did that come from? And I just traced it back to the world around me tells me it's unsafe for us so protect yourself in weird ways by keeping your keys between your knuckles but it doesn't say keep yourself safe and then ask the world to match you and that's a major that's like one of the first things I bring up in how to fuck like a goddess it's like where mm-hmm. are you getting your sense of safety and if it's not with you and then you have an ironclad standard of that and you mandate that the world meets you then you're probably being continually disappointed and mistreated because it's misplaced sense of trust and safety and then you go Mm. into being an obligation by being like you have to keep me safe which so many men really feel that they have to keep me safe until I tell them to take their shit off my plate I'm like no you don't but you definitely get to match me or you don't get to be near me and then that takes out all the perpetrator stuff and so I'm walking around as an invitation to be matched instead of an obligation to be taken care of and that's just one of the accountabilities that I teach in that in the workshop, which will become a course soon enough on, online. It's just, and women mm-hmm. are so ready for it. That's like the, the most yeah. exciting part is I was really nervous. I was like, who's going to want to be held in accountability when we're taught entitlement in these ways, the like shadow part of demanding our sense of safety being matter and like on someone else's plate. It's also making us entitled to it. Women have massive entitlement issues because that's what they've been taught to have. And so it's really just, and they're hungry to get out of these habitual senses of disappointment and trauma. It's like, what is our part? Not what was our part, but what is it going forward? And so it's really yeah. exciting and to see women just like eating it. Definitely. Go ahead. This is a very controversial, yeah, this is a very controversial subject, and I want to dig into it a little bit because um, when you were talking about, you know, owning your safety, um, I agree with you, but I could see a lot of pushback from people saying that you're, you know, you're blaming the victim or, you know, it's not their mm-hmm. fault if they got attacked. But, and I, and I hear that. And I also feel from my own experience that I've never been a victim. I've never been the victim type of person. And maybe it's because uh-huh. I'm tall and strong and athletic. I don't know, maybe the playing sports gave me more confidence or whatever, but I've definitely put myself in really stupid situations with shady people in shady alleys mm-hmm. late at night. I mean, you name it. And I've, I've never been raped. I've never, you know, been molested. You know, I've certainly been treated crappy and, you know, given all kinds of names and so forth. But I just noticed that I've never been a victim and I hold that for myself. I'm not a victim. Now, I don't, that doesn't make me go do mm-hmm. stupid things, but, but I just know that I'm not going to, be a victim. And so then I see other women who seem like they've been raped or attacked multiple times. So what is that energy that's, that's happening for them 
that's causing some people to be repeated mm-hmm. victims and other people to never be. And I think that really needs to be looked at, but, but it's edgy because I think a lot of people would say that you're, that that's nonsense and that, you know, it's not their fault. So do you know what I'm saying? Like it seems controversial in that sense. Yeah. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. I don't ever get pushed back because I'm very intentional with this that I would never blame a victim. My abuse started at mm-hmm. three and I don't give a fuck mm-hmm. from it. Well, anyone, any hippie can come along and be like, you made that for yourself. No, I did not. I was a fucking three-year-old. Get off that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I have my own like passion about, um, but my very, like, and I speak to this and when I talk about this topic, I don't do victim blame. You, that's talking about what you have done. Everything that I offer is victim accountability, which you're going to go through moving forward. And that's why I mentioned the day trade at all. It's like, I don't need to tell people my trauma. The only reason I invest in sharing that piece is to be like, I was you until I'm me. And that's my role as a role model to be like, oh, no, honey, I would never blame you. Because quite frankly, that doesn't serve anyone in the first place. And I've been you. There's nothing in me that's blamed myself. But from this mm-hmm. moment forward, you found your way to me, so you are ready to move on. And I honor that with everything I know. So I actually, I never receive pushback because I think I hold that in my system of like, motherfucker, you can try to do victim blame, but you won't be heard here. You know, so mm-hmm. I think the way that you're talking about your athleticism has granted you the non-victim right. I'm helping mm-hmm. women who have been to claim that right as well and to move forward. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I just got out and there was a domestic violence situation that I hadn't experienced in like five years this year with me. So it's a work in progress always. But I can always fall back into this place of, okay, that habit was important in these ways and moving forward. And so I'm always advancing and leveling up. I'm never falling back on being at fault, at blame, or blaming them, quite frankly. It's, it's, It's an opportunity for me to grow and it's an opportunity for me to never experience it again. And that takes time, and it can take experiencing it. And it's, it's, quite, it's quite something to, to want to move on from this. It's not as simple as a workshop. It's as simple as, like, getting the keys from my workshop and the aftercare I provide is, like, call me. We'll cuddle. We'll talk some more. It's imperative to anyone that gets to me. But they're also held through their process moving forward. And so for me, it's, it's just not in me to have backlash. I have, I have yet to have anyone challenge that, but I totally hear you because I see people saying things similarly that are victim blame, you know, mm-hmm. that are totally like, well, you call that in, and, 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 and it's like, wow, that is so not helpful. Thank you. Instead of being like, mm-hmm. here's what I know because I came from that, and this is really great, and it may not work just this way for you, but now you have permission and a role model to tinker with what could work for you. Right, I'm a template. I'm not the way, but the way is working. So that's really great, right? It's like you can't deny mm-hmm. someone who's done the work and is offering that to you. So that's been my opinion. I've seen the victim blame, even as subtle as it is. I'm just very direct because we have mm-hmm. our part in it to some degree, but only after a certain age and only in certain circumstances. Sometimes we'll just be raped, and it'll just be horrible, and it'll just be for whatever. And that doesn't actually interest me very much. It's always moving forward. How can I help and keep myself sane and safe in a world that I've been mm-hmm. told is going to harm me and I've been shown that too. And I want to change the world, mm-hmm. so I change mine first. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, I don't want to mm-hmm. run out of time before we have a chance to talk about the technology and software and those mm-hmm. kinds of products that 
are beneficial to the work you do. Um, it's very interesting to me. So tell us a little bit about that. So software, technology, things like that, people think of machinery. They think of like your cell phone or, and there are plenty of those things just automatically. My technology is always internal, right? So the technology is your body. And the software, there are actual like ways that you can document things on your computer, the software to enable you to witness yourself in a way that provides a sense of understanding. And then there's some really great tool kits out there as well, so I'll get into that next. So I want to start with the people can have immediately always. Um, journaling, um, monitoring your, your life experiences throughout each day, and it can be emotional. It can, whatever the client needs, right? A lot of the men that I have working with me are doing their emotional journal, journaling. A lot of the women I'm having are doing their food journaling and their sex journaling. And there's just this, like, this technology, this um, sophistication of self-awareness that that can take on. So it's an easy tool you can implement right away. Um, there's, you know, all these, like, journaling software programs. There's apps you can put on your phone if that's easier. There's voice memoing. That's my favorite, just talking it out in meditation. Fucking beautiful. The voice memo app is priceless in my world. And so it, it, mm. it seems really simple, and it's supposed to be. I love simple tools that you already have built into the phone you bought. That's like a passion of mine. Like, what do you have that now you can use right now? And mm-hmm. so, um, and then there's sophisticated software coming out. There's all these, like, brain scans of people that have been through trauma and how that's how they're watching and monitoring people going through certain types of therapy, but they're now matching with certain types of trauma. So there's like the sophistication and refinement of who you can go to and where you're actually designed to receive the most help, which is super mm. cool, right? It's like, yes, you can brain scan me all day. <laughs> mm-hmm. That excites me. My little techie little millennial side is like, oh, yes, please. And then there's like these kits that are coming out that have um, the most recent one I saw that claims it'll help you get through your sexual trauma, which is very debatable, but it will reinvite your body into pleasure responses that may have been taken from you through traumatic sexual experiences. There's Mm. like this belly rock that helps monitor your breathing, and it tells you when you're touching, being touched by something that's not you, when your breath Mm. shallows, so you can monitor when you're going into your fight or flight and relax. Wow. And when you're in a practice of that, yeah, right? It's like, hell yeah. Oh, my God, I wish I had the name of it. It's on my Facebook, but I got off of there. So look out for this. <laughs> it has horse hair. So you can, like, stroke your flesh with, like, this hair that just, like, reinvites your body into, like, subtler touch. And men, not to say that men are the only abusers, but it's, Really, they don't talk about this, but for me, I imagine for myself, men are hairier than I am. And so reinviting the sensation of hair to my body with consent and with pleasure, I can imagine if someone was, you know, having an experience with an incredibly furry person, that might be really beneficial. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a mirror to look at your vulva in this kit. So there's there's things being brought to the brought to the forefront of this industry of, being helpful, reinviting your body to rewire itself to pleasure, and that can definitely work your trauma. And if nothing else, it can at least work through the symptoms of it, which is profound for anyone who's been through that. I know that would be very profound. I love it. That is very exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, What else are you excited about in the 
sexuality, sensuality, embodied tech paradigm. <laughs> what are some of the other things you're noticing and that you're excited about? Yeah, well, I had a, a passion project called New Paradigm Porn for a long time, which was people go to porn for their sexual education. But how, and I want to meet them where they're going. It's like I'm not going to pull you into crappy videos that just show you real time whatever. It's like, okay, well, let's subtly sophisticate pornography, create connection to the self, connection to the partner, women's pleasure, deeper sensations of love and connection, and that's pretty much a lot of what's quote-unquote missing. But the other part of what I'm having show, and, it, and that's actually been indicted into um, I'm talking to one site who wants to take that on for me and another site that took my whole infrastructure because it turns out porn is not really my thing um, and taking my infrastructure that I created for this website, creating their own from it. So that's really excited. It's living on in a new way and that, that makes me happy. Like the porn industry is like mm-hmm. noticing it being devalued. People are getting stuff for free and the way I've structured it is you can have stuff for free but you can pay for the education. Because, I mean, mm. yeah, better sex, a better world, right? Like, give them what they want for free. If you need to get off, I'm going to subtly put it into your body anyway by witnessing, watching, which is a huge tool for any sexual education mm-hmm. is being watched. Because um, mm-hmm. inquiring minds want to know. And so they'll get something <laughs> anyway. But if you really want to dive into the education, we have you. We got you. So that's huge. That's so huge. And then also, like, I love, um, what else is coming out? I was recently scanned for um, augmented reality. I was the first erotically scanned augmented reality person. We're still, mm. like, working out what that means. But basically, it's, this is going to maybe hit some trigger buttons, but I'm really passionate about, like, men have developed a sense of fear with women, at least a lot of the ones I work with, about hurting us. And so they don't have a whole lot of room to, like, try things out, fuck up and clean up. They really don't have a lot of room right now which is for the better, like, we need our room to bitch, and then we'll move on and integrate it, right? Mm-hmm. But right mm-hmm. now, we're kind of in the midst of demonizing men's sexuality, and we're making every man a, a product of bad behavior, and we're treating mm-hmm. them that way. And the, the side effect of that is fear to harm us, especially by the ones mm-hmm. that really have zero interest, which I'm pretty sure is the majority, but they don't have right. sexual and relationship education, so augmented mm-hmm. reality, you can go into these goggles and you can interact with a woman, me or someone else, in a teaching format where you won't, like the voids of trigger and our past trauma being projected onto you, which is then when you start to work with people. So using like virtual reality, augmented reality to invite you into like a sense of, okay, I'm with a woman, but I'm, I'm, I'm able to not harm her. And then being walked through and talked through to, through some type of program of interacting that won't create harm, but educate them. And then they can work into finding a sex worker or, you know, um, what are the, the, oh, you know what I'm talking about. Sex the, surrogate. Uh, surrogate. Sexual surrogate. Yeah. yeah. Or, it's not, or even like myself and my somatic stuff, I mean, my erotic life coaching, like there's different levels of interaction that you can find out there. And if you have mm-hmm. a good enough teacher, they won't have all that present, but some people aren't ready for that and they're still trying to provide service. So that excites mm-hmm. me. It's like, oh, they can go to a place where that's taken off the, off the table, and if you design it correctly, you can have that implemented into, like, an educational website and lead them to a real person eventually. And I think that would just be beautiful. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for all that information, <laughs> all the, the education you've offered us this evening, Muse. Um, we're almost out of time, but before we have to end, I want to give you a chance to 
share briefly, you have about three or four minutes, um, some of the workshops you offer, and I believe you also have a gift uh, for our listeners. Take it away. Thank you. Yeah, I do the How to Fuck Like a Goddess and We Worship Like One Q. I'm moving to L.A., and so in the new year, I will be providing there first. There's also one for men that um, is How to Fuck a Goddess. Um, Worship them as you do or be worshipped while you do. So there's two flavors of that where I want men tended to in two different ways, how to be present for the women and then how to have presence with themselves. And then there's like goddesses and uh, lovers unite where basically that's the co-ed, but you have to go through the first ones first. And it'll be all on my website. It'll be virtual as well. Um, And then, you know, speaking, anybody who wants to have me come speak, have me write anything up, wants me to provide in that way, I'm happy to show up for that. I love publicly speaking. I love interviewing. Any way to get what I know out into the world, I'm just a happy little providerist. And then mm-hmm. my offer, my special offer, anytime I get to be interviewed or any of that, I'm, I'm passionate about what I do. I love what I do. Um, and I would love to offer 50% off of my immersions and 20% off of my sessions. So I do mm-hmm. 75-minute sessions and then for the first one always to give you a taste and see how it works for you. And then we move into longer sessions or the same amount of time. So you can mm-hmm. use that for your first session there, 20%. And then I do week-long immersions where I come to you into your home and we do whatever needs to be done somatically speaking or erotic life coaching, like and as much time as you can give me each day. And so you can get 50% off of those right now as long as you mention this radio show. Great. And how can people find you? They can find me at muse.eroticfulfillment at gmail.com. My website is under construction, but you can bookmark the domain name thetruemuse.com and I'll be putting out a blog soon but I'll connect it to that website once it's up in the new year okay and can you spell your email address please yeah of course it's m-u-s-e dot e-r-o-t-i-c s-u-l wait no s-u-l-f-i-l-l m gmail.com so fulfillment is f-u-l-l-f-i-l-l right it's f-u-l in the first part the, oh, one, the two l's are at the end I'll, one I'll l and then two l's okay no i got it it's linked on there different moves, but yeah thank you for having me do that and the true muse is spelled that way so I'm okay, okay perfect. Perfect. <laughs> no, oh, it's fine. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. You were an absolute delight. I'm sorry about the technical difficulties in the middle, but um, it was really beautiful to, to hear your music, your musings. <laughs> so, um, Thank you. I, I you so soon. appreciate you. Have a good evening. Yeah. Okay. You Bye. too. And thanks, everyone. Bye.